Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak. Four. Breakfast. So stand by. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is going to be our second of two all-new editions of the show today. I'm Ron. Noah's still here. Yo. we still got a lot of news to cover. If you missed our first episode of the show, make sure you're jumping into that one before you hit this. We're going to be talking about now, even though we passed a continuing resolution late last night, as we usually do, which is going to extend the funding of the federal government through March 8th. There's still a big battle over the overall budget. And the border going on up on Capitol Hill. So we're going to check into that. Speaker Mike Johnson, a day ahead of the vote yesterday, jumped on with CNN's nasty woman, Mm. Caitlin Collins. Gross. And she was asking him about border security, communications with the White House, and what's going on in the Republican House right now. It's a brief audio clip. Let's hear it. If the best we can get does not solve the problem and not stem the flow, then it will not be acceptable on the House side. And I have said that very clearly from day one. We have to solve the problem. This is not about getting political points for one side or the other. It's about solving the problem that is now a crisis for every community. Every state is a border state now because people are going all across the country. And by the way, when we were at Eagle Pass, we found out that 60 to 70 percent of the people crossing the border down there are single adult males between the ages of 18 and 40. These are not huddled masses of families seeking asylum. These are individual single males coming into the country for we don't know what. Okay, this is serious business. The facts are alarming and the American people are sufficiently, uh, uh, I think, alarmed by this and they want us to make a change. So Republicans and Democrats both should come together and solve it. There's a there's an outcry from Democrat mayors around the country in these so-called sanctuary cities. Everybody knows we have to fix it. And that's the truth. But when you look at the bipartisan nature at which you're going to eventually get, and I'm air quoting now, border security, Mm. Very unlikely that's going to look like HR2. I'm telling you that right now. It's going to look a lot more like James Langford and Lindsey Grahams, who we're going to hear from Mr. Garrison in a second, a little bit later in the segment. Uh, You know, it's going to look like the pre-amnesty stuff that we broke news on on the show last week when, you know, essentially it was sent to us by some Congress people who said, hey, we got to get ahead of this, get the word out. There's so many people who follow politics, who listen to our show. Sometimes they hear us get like inside the numbers here. I know Noah's not a huge fan of it either, but but it sucks because you have to cover it. You know, if you want to talk about what's really going on in the Beltway and, and how the gears are greased and why the machine's not running the right way. No, the I, gears are greased with fear and bad, dirty money. Lots of pork too. Yeah. But here's the deal. You can go all the way back to the 90s and blame former speaker Newt Gingrich, who hates America first. He said it several times. We played all the clips on the show every time he does. He could say he loves Donald Trump up and down. He likes Donald Trump the person. He likes Donald Trump when he's in the White House because he could go on all the cable news channels and talk good about him. He doesn't like America first nationalist populism. He doesn't. He's an old fiscal conservative, part of that boomer generation we got to kind of get out of here. But this is the kind of the way the government funding-wise has ran since he was the speaker. He was the godfather of the continuing resolution in its current state, where we would just, you want to know what? Fuck appropriations. We got a budget from last year. Everybody didn't hate it that much. Yeah. Back in the 90s, we're only like, what, $4 trillion in debt? We could pay that off in like two presidents. Let's just kick the can down the road. And we all know what happened. It snowballs. There's inflation. The rate of everything changes. Then COVID, where we like doubled 
our national debt and add eight trillion dollars to it over the course of nineteen months. Yeah, that was mostly just money laundering too, a lot of it. Much like we've added almost three trillion to the national debt in just the last year and a half. You know, we're well, that, getting... that was one hundred percent money laundering. How's that um what was it called? American Rescue Plan and the Biden budget and all that other great stuff that Joe Biden did for America that Kevin McCarthy helped him pass. But that's the thing. That's why Kevin McCarthy was so steadfast in saying like People don't understand this is the way things go up on Capitol Hill. The other side of the coin is you see all these people who don't know anything about politics say, you want to know what? When Nancy Pelosi was the Speaker of the House, she got all the Democrats to do, and I stopped them right there. She got all the Democrats to do the exact same thing that every Speaker of the House has done since the 90s. So then I say, so this is what you're telling me. You want Mike Johnson in 98 days to change the entirety of the way the government is financially taken care of from top to bottom and completely change that when there's over 100 Republicans who voted with the Democrats yesterday for the continuing resolution. I said, how do you do that? Oh, well, he just needs to have a spine. Really? Having a spine means he's going to force 106 Republicans? Yeah, you can't do that because they're not Republicans. Bingo. Or they just get scared because, like I said... In our first show, when I talked to Jeff Clark. Yeah, anything that's on the border of, of no pun intended, of being allowable by by general society, they don't want to get singled out. Yeah, because people like Dan Crenshaw go on CNN. God, that fucking guy. People like uh, Eric Swalwell go on MSNBC and say, hey, that's fine. You know what? If these MAGA Republicans want to make a stand and shut down the government, well, I, I guess they don't want to fund the military. And I guess they want the people who protect our country, it's not true, to not get paid. Yeah, that's horseshit. It's the and truth. everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. It's so old. And well, it, no, there's still the, the mask in the car people. Well, yeah, that's true. And, and, but apparently there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, motion to vacate, fuck these guys, like Congress ain't worth the shit. I want to remind everybody for the fulfillionth time and mm. study a little bit of uh, quantum physics, it's a real number. Donald Trump gets nothing legislatively done in 2025 if we don't retain power in the House of Representatives. This continued behavior of not supporting at least the ones who are trying to work for the American people is not going to help retain that power now. I want you guys to understand that. We lose one more member in the House, Democrats have control. Yeah, like we, we're, we're throwing out Santos over some bullshit without even him being given his adjudication or his day in court. True story. You know, and we just lost a head. Well, you'll hear from Speaker Ryan and Speaker McCarthy later. And they're both talking about now making sure that Matt Gates can get kicked out of Congress for his uh, ethics investigation. Mm, perfect. Yep. I think the meme of the day, and we're going to lighten it up a little bit, Mike Collins. <laughs> I sent it to you, right? Uh-huh. Anakin Skywalker from the original trilogy has his lightsabers as the House Freedom Caucus around the neck of Speaker Johnson. <laughs> and then Emperor Palpatine is the Democrats, and he's like, do it. <laughs> you were supposed to be the chosen one. You were not supposed to join the Democrats. And it's the truth in, in, in a lot of sense. But, you know, it, it just goes to show you, the CR extends this Biden-Pelosi funding levels and financing a border crisis which is not being addressed, the continued war on American energy, and the weaponized government agencies. There's no justification for Republican support, and over 100 members of Congress voted with the Democrats on that. So 
you know, it, it, it's just sad to see the way that this kind of shook up and, and shook down, but you can't really blame Speaker Johnson in its entirety for it. There goes to the point where, where there, there are some leadership issues here where Mike Johnson might not be the man to make the overall changes that are going to be like the way the House of Republicans governs itself for generations to come, but he's the man in the moment. And listen, there's a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors that uh, it, it'd probably blow your mind. Right before the vote went down yesterday, one of our favorites, who got the handoff from Chinless Chip Soy, mm. Congressman Eli Crane, who should be joining us next week, was on the House floor. He's been on fire lately. Absolutely. And we'll hear from him a couple times in, in this second show today. Let's check this out. Arizona, Mr. Crane. The gentleman from Arizona is recognized for three minutes. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you to my colleague from Texas, uh, Mr. Roy. I agree with your comment, Mr. Roy. This continuing resolution extends government funding at the same levels of the lame duck Biden-Pelosi omnibus. To be clear, this funding is going to continue funding Biden's disastrous policies, such as the Biden border crisis, Biden's war on American energy production, and a woke and weaponized bureaucracy. Our nation owes almost $34 trillion in debt and counting, and the interest the Treasury Department must pay a steadily marching higher and higher. Over the next decade, annual federal government def deficits are projected to double to nearly $3 trillion, and the cost of our interest on the debt will exceed the Pentagon's budget within the next 10 years. Our Speaker, Mr. Johnson, said he was the most conservative speaker we've ever had, and yet here we are putting this bill on the floor this afternoon without conservative policy writers Conservatives don't have the chance to amend it. We're honoring the McCarthy-Schumer side deals from the Fiscal Responsibility Act that led us to vacate Speaker McCarthy in the first place. Talk is cheap. The American people deserve better. The notion of fiscal discipline itself might as well be put in a time capsule. Congress considers no budgets, legislation never hits against cost limitations, and every bipartisan disagreement is solved simply by spending more on the pet programs of the opposing party. This continuing resolution is a perfect example of how we arrived at this unsustainable fiscal situation, and I urge my colleagues to oppose this legislation. The last thing I want to say is I think it's rich to hear some of my colleagues yeah, on the other I. side of the aisle discussing the sovereignty of the Ukraine border and the necess <laughs> how necessary yeah. it is to protect their borders while we do nothing to protect our own. Uh, yeah. You're right. He was on fire this week. You know, we're going to hear a, a uh, great segment of a piece of content from him inside the Homeland Security Committee, which he sits on. Uh, that happened yesterday as well. Listen. It's like we got our warriors up on Capitol Hill. We really do. The guys are walking around. They've got their shields. They've got their swords. And it's just like right now they're going from battle to battle without any all-the-way leadership. It's mm -hmm. just the way it is. I don't think that Mike Johnson wants to people-please everyone. I, I know that he from, – from listen, we talked to all these people on the show and off, and we're not making excuses for the guys. Up until this point and, and with this continuing resolution – he has not done the job that he promised he was going to do. But when you look at the logistics of it, also take this into consideration. So over 100 Republicans 
voted for this CR yesterday, right? Which puts that, they makes it a bipartisan continuing resolution and, and puts the total votes of wanting it to pass over 300. Now, let's just say out of that over 300, Mike Johnson dissented yesterday and said, you want to know what? I've had enough of this shit, probably in a little bit more polite Christian way. I'm going to shut down the government. We've kicked this can so far down the road, now into the middle of an election cycle, a presidential cycle, where we need to retain power in the House and Donald Trump is looking to come back, that if you shut the government down today, you give Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Hakeem Jeffries, so much ammunition, Chuck Schumer, all of them, well, it looks like MAGA Mike, and then they'll start showing the tweets, showing the posts, showing the old clips of Mike Johnson and Donald Trump together, is working at the direction of Donald Trump. And apparently Donald Trump wants the government shut down so Joe Biden can continue to fix the mess he left for him three years ago. So now that we have to deal with the Trump shutdown, our Congress has been hijacked by a minority of MAGA Republicans. Oh, MAGA Republicans. You guys have to understand something. Donald Trump has been able to avoid getting hit hard on anything these people have thrown at him. From Joe Biden's diversive commentary and rhetoric all the way down to the way the weaponized Justice Department is working against them. This probably would stick with the American people because what happens? Now you have Chuck Schumer on TV every day. Well, you know, I'd really like to work on that comprehensive border bill, but we just can't because the government shut down. You know, it's weird too. At the same time, we've got U.S. soldiers engaging Houthi rebels all over the world, and these people aren't getting paid. I feel bad for their spouses back here in the States who have to take care of their families. That's awful. How can we even talk about the border when all this stuff, when we have a Trump shutdown? Mm-hmm. No, listen, out of that hundred, you know, there's at least 25 people in that hundred that are like 100% ardent Trump supporters. Yeah. And this is the way they would frame it. If this would have happened, even before McCarthy was vacated, it would have been completely fine. You'd be completely out of the election cycle. Yeah. Donald Trump would just be in the preseason schedule saying like, hey, I'm just worried about getting you know my team in shape before we hit the regular season schedule. Well, they, they started off 1-0 last week. They're looking to go 2-0 on Tuesday. And if you have a government shutdown with a small majority, a third of Congress who's voting for the shutdown, and most of them have already been endorsed by President Trump, are working with President Trump, are out on the campaign trail with President Trump. We fucked ourselves. Yeah. And I hope we don't get an omnibus, but let me give you the, and I'm going to say it one more time, the there there. Mm. I even put like a whispering gif. I said, let me tell you a secret in the comments yesterday to one of the people that was, you know, beating up everything that we try to give you guys the information here on the show. There's not going to be any single-subject spending bills that get passed through Congress this year. Mm. They've made it through committee. They keep saying there's 8 of 12. Those 12 will never be a combined budget that gets passed this year. But here's the good news. If we retain power in the House and Donald Trump wins the White House, we've now set the groundwork for how far back we have to start and what we need to get done to get those 12 single-subject appropriation bills passed in 2025. But I'm telling you guys right now, It's the reality of it. And for every meltdown that Steve Bannon has or, you know, every single other pundit on here that wants to lose power in the House of Representatives so they can continue to grift off of the deep state is out to get Donald Trump, which they are. 
we really need to be supporting the people who support the president, want to pass his agenda next year, and getting some of the candidates like we're going to sit down with a little bit later in our show, Darren Bailey, up to Capitol Hill for those America First votes in the next session of Congress. Matt Gates had a full report card on CNN last night for what he thought the budget and the CR is, was, and what he sees uh, as far as grades for everybody in Congress goes now. Let's check it out. The House voted to avoid a government shutdown. Speaker Johnson, he barely squeaked by, getting the votes that he needed from your conference to pass that short-term spending bill. 106 Republicans, yourself included, opposed it. Right before voting, you said House Republicans have failed the test of fighting in this moment. In your eyes, is this a failure of Speaker Johnson's? It's a failure of all of ours. Actually, 108 of us voted against it. That's significant because 107 voted for it. So a majority of Republicans in the House did not support this measure. It was advanced with the assistance of Democrats. And if this is the way we're going to govern, I fear we won't be in the majority longer. We have gone to the border. We have shown that the border is a major issue. I wish the border was way more central to the discussion between Jake Tapper and Governor Haley this evening. And it's not central to our strategy on the government funding dispute. That's my criticism of the approach we've taken. Uh, Speaker Johnson has assured me today in an extended meeting that we had that before this March deadline is reached, we're going to be passing border security bills. We're going to be putting pressure on the Senate to take those up and then ultimately include that in in the long-term negotiated deal that we have to put together in divided government. So are you comfortable with um, the compromise that Speaker Johnson made with Democrats to fund the government at at effectively the same level that it was funded at uh, under a deal that Kevin McCarthy brokered with President Biden. Are you comfortable with that? Well, it's not exactly the same. You see, the Johnson deal claws back $20 billion of the $50 billion in side deals that Kevin McCarthy lied to us about. That alone justifies his ouster. And I wish that Johnson would have gotten us more clawed back from the McCarthy side deals. And it certainly was a disappointment that he didn't. But with McCarthy, it wasn't just that he was doing deals with Democrats. It was the duplicitous nature. It was continuing to tell us one thing to do another and then to have these off script Uh, negotiated agreements that were seemingly binding the House in the absence of any vote. The other thing is that McCarthy had a different majority, Abby. We had a four-seat majority, but then Kevin took his marbles and went home. We expelled George Santos. Bill Johnson became the president of Youngstown State, and so it's hard to judge Johnson by precisely the same standard as he would judge McCarthy because he doesn't have the same majority McCarthy had, in part because McCarthy left. Well, you you <laughs> kicked McCarthy out of his job. You, you forgot just to speaker, include that Just speaker, part. Abby, you there are 434 of us who are willing to do the job without being speaker. Look, I, just one last thing. I mean, look, you're saying you cannot hold Speaker Johnson to the same standard, but he's now passed two continuing resolutions, which you said was unacceptable when Kevin McCarthy did it. Uh, is Speaker Johnson's job in jeopardy, if only for that reason? No. Again, as I said, it wasn't one thing with McCarthy. It was an accumulation of misrepresentations, lies, and the sense that we were being sold out time and again in these negotiations. With Johnson, he's been very clear up front when he has a one-seat majority uh, having to balance the needs of a diverse caucus, trying to get us into a fighting posture. It is my hope, it is my expectation that we get into that fighting posture before taking the third strike of a third continuing resolution so based on my conversation with the, with the speaker. Would be- be a third strike in your view? That would be the end if he were to I do th- it a third time? 
I think that's the speaker's view. I don't think the speaker wants to do another continuing resolution. Frankly, I don't even think he wanted to do this one. Now, getting our appropriations bills passed, fighting for those policy objectives that matter to Republican voters, that's how we broaden the majority. We don't broaden our majority by cowering in fear. We have to be bold, and I, I hope this is the speaker who can do that for us. What do you think, Noah? Not, not, a, not a sparkling endorsement. Yeah, it's not great. But at the same time, again, you've asked Mike Johnson in 100 days to change 30 years of the way the government has been funded. Um, and for an overwhelming majority of that time, you had Nancy Pelosi in power, setting up the framework for every time she lost the speakership, when she came back to just pick up where she left off. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets in line, or we don't fund your reelection campaign. Get your shit together. Or I'm going to take your shit apart. Yeah. Where's the hammer? Pass the hammer. Where's Nancy? Where's Hunter? You know, somebody put a one of the press pool from the White House. I guess it's snowing in D.C. today, and they mm-hmm. put a, a picture of the side of the White House with Winter Wonderland, and I just quoted it on X and said, where's Hunter? <laughs> oh, man. You know, it, it's, it's, it's rough, but it is what it is. And, you know, when you look at the uh, one good thing we, we've seen from Mike Johnson, which Kevin McCarthy has – also three strikes on in addition to lying, in addition to the side deals, in addition to all the continuing resolutions. He also got three huge pieces of legislation passed for Joe Biden, which cements his legacy as the president. Up to this point, nothing's been funded by Mike Johnson, so I think we're okay there. Checking in on the White House and the gang over there, talking about border security, I'm, I'm pretty sure at least Chuck Schumer is thinking about locking things down on the southern border. Let's check it out. Well, thank you very much. It was a very good meeting and a very positive meeting. There was a large amount of agreement around the table that we must do Ukraine and we must do border. There was tremendous focus on Ukraine and an understanding that if we don't come to Ukraine's aid, that the consequences for America around the globe would be nothing short of devastating. And within a year, we would be on our back foot doing all kinds of things that we that we wouldn't want to do. Scratch that. They don't give a fuck about border security. Yeah, zero fucks. You know, when, when and this is another thing. Everybody keeps thinking that Mike Johnson's getting jobbed by all these people. Understand the way that the caste system works. Mike Johnson's been the Speaker of the House for about 100 days. Hakeem Jeffries been in Congress for a couple sessions. So has Mike Johnson, obviously. You know, he's worked on some big things. Johnson has uh, Trump's impeachments and things of that nature. But here's the deal. Chuck Schumer is like one of the oldest gangsters up on Capitol Hill. Senior senator. He's been the Senate majority leader several times, minority leader, almost equally as many. Chuck Schumer is going to come out of any meeting. Like Mike Johnson, and I know he didn't, could have sat there for like 45 minutes straight and said, fuck you, right to his face. And Chuck Schumer's like, oh, it's a very productive meeting. We got our points across, and the speaker's going to take it back to the House and see what Republicans want to do. He's never going to say like, oh, yeah, I, I went into that meeting and Mike Johnson told me how it was and I got my ass kicked because my 50 years in the Senate apparently means shit. And some guy who just fell onto the gavel is now telling me how to do my job. So as negotiations kind of go on and what we eventually get to, it's not going to be the talking points that you get in the media. Much like it is when our Mr. Garrison, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, mm. Knows what the writing on the wall looks like. Let's hear it. But here's what I'd like President Biden to know and the country to know. If we don't fix parole, there will be no deal. Truth. What do I mean by that? The numbers are just absolutely shocking. 
The tool the Biden administration uses to implement its open border policy is the tool called parole. Uh, from 2013, FY 2014, which would cover part of 2013, the last decade, Obama and Trump on average paroled 5,623 people on average. Last year, okay. FY 22, the Biden administration paroled 795,561 people. The law requires an individual analysis of the parole request based on two factors, unique humanitarian need or special benefit to the country. There's no way in hell they did an individual analysis on 795,561 people. <laughs> so, under Donald Trump and Barack Obama, the annual average was a little over 5,000 people that were paroled. That's, uh, you claim asylum, they do a little whatever, they give you a piece of paper, they say, show up at immigration court, we'll hear your case and make a, de you know, a decision on it. Cool. 5,000 per year throughout the course of their presidencies. In three years, Joe Biden has brought that average up to nearly 800,000 people a year. A year. That's like a, again, fulfillion times as much as it was during the Trump and Obama administrations. And the only reason this is happening, there's only one reason, Alejandro Mayorkas circumvented the Constitution, is violating his oath of office. And that's it. They go hand in hand. Judge makes a ruling. He writes an administrative policy to go around the judge's ruling. He sees what the longstanding laws are in the book. He says, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do it that way. This is planned, and this is 100% legit. And, you know, if we uh, don't figure out how we're going to bend the arms of Democrats on this, we are we're, this is the one battle that we cannot lose, and, and we're setting ourselves up to lose it. Last clip I got. And we're getting ready to jump in with Congressman Corey Mills to get this show started today with our interview segments. He was in Homeland Security Committee yesterday and brought the fire on one of these retards that came down. And this is, this is another instance of, of what's going on up there on Capitol Hill and how this Biden administration acts towards the rest of the country. Alejandro Mayorkas was supposed to show up at this meeting for questioning. Let me guess, he didn't. Completely fucking blew it off. Sent, sent a couple surrogates. These empty suits looked like they were the people that got coffee and, and emptied the garbage cans when they were overflowing in the office. And, uh, you know, that's just the way, you know, what we told you. He went around propping up his job a couple weeks ago, a few times after that he did interviews, and was almost chest puffy about it. Yeah, very, and very proud of himself. Incredibly. And, you know, we're going to hear Eli Crane right now take down one of these people from the Department of Homeland Security, figuratively, of course. Let's check it out. Mr. Pearlstein, are you familiar with Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, often known as the Invasion Clause? Yes, I've read the Constitution. That's not what I asked, ma'am. I asked if you're familiar with that yes. article. Yes. Thank you. I'm going to read it. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government, and here's the, here's the point, and shall protect each of them against invasion. Ms. Nobles, Ms. Dunn, do you think that this Homeland Security Secretary is protecting this, these states against invasion? Is she protecting Arizona? Ms. Arizona Dunn? is not protected against invasion. Ms. Pearlstein, after having me read that, do you think that this Secretary is protecting the 50 states against invasion? 
The word invasion in that clause is not in reference to migrants who are not trying to overthrow the government of the United States. Oh, it's interesting that you say that, ma'am. Very interesting that you say that. Ma'am, Ms. Pearlstein, have you ever studied unconventional warfare? Any idea what that term means? I've heard that term used. I'm what not an expert in unconventional warfare. You have any idea what it might mean? Go ahead, take a stab at it. I would rather hear your definition. Okay, great. Do you think yeah. in any wild and unprecedented strategy in the history of the world, one of our adversaries might try and send their soldiers to infiltrate our country mm -hmm. using our wide open border, not putting them in uniforms and, and, and having them come and present themselves in front of our border patrol agents and, and tell our border patrol agents, oh, we're just, we're, just, we're just innocent immigrants. We just want a better life. Do you think that's even possible, Ms. Pearlstein? Might anyone ever lie at the border? Yes. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So it is possible that tens of thousands... You know that's how many we're getting a day, right, ma'am? About 10,000 a day, 10 to 15,000 a day. Are you aware of that? I'm not aware of any statistics. Okay, either. well, I'll fill you in then, ma'am. You're in the Homeland Security Committee. It's about 10 to 15,000 often, sometimes 12,000 a day. Oof. That's more than a combat division coming through our southern border from 160 countries, some of which are adversarial. And I'm going to tell you right now, Unconventional warfare has been used since the beginning of time. Correct. These people aren't stupid. They're using access to our country to bring in individuals who want to do harm to it. I've been in the, I've been in the classified briefs. It's a fact, ma'am. How, how many families have to be ruined? How many mothers have to sit next to you before you come to understand this is an invasion of our country and he's in complete dereliction of duty of his constitutional oath to protect and defend the United States of America. How many? And we'll leave it at that. You know, there were some families there who had members of their family killed by illegal aliens. And, and you had people like one congressman was saying like, oh, if you don't want to, you know, be the, be the shining beacon, let's just remove the Statue of Liberty before we close up the southern border, which is completely retarded. The that is idiotic. Statue of Liberty was a gift to our country from France, I believe, yeah. for celebration of independence from England. So... Yeah, it's not for immigration. And then you yeah, had just because people see it when they're floating by Ellis Island doesn't mean it's for immigration. And then you had, you know, people like Swalwell saying like, well, you know, if we're going to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, then we're going to have to go back to revisiting impeaching Donald Trump and, uh, you know, this, that and the other person. So that's neither here nor there. We're going to get a couple more answers on what went on up on Capitol Hill to end the week right now with Florida Congressman Corey Mills. Before we do that, let's check in with one of our sponsors. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you enter promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, he's the congressman that represents Florida 7, one of our great friends, definitely America First, Representative Corey Mills. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Always an honor and a pleasure, sir. Listen, a lot of people in America First aren't happy with the way the week ended up on Capitol Hill. 
yesterday. Not mm-hmm. with the snow days or anything like that, but with another continuing resolution. We just played some commentary from one of your congressional counterparts, Congressman Gates, from his interview on CNN last night where he kind of set up like the two out of three strike system, the you know way that we're kind of not being as strong as we need to be and, and what making some rash decisions in the immediate future could look like. Corey, you always have a pretty sensible and, and fair analysis of what went down. We know you were a no on this. We know you are a hard no on it moving forward as well. But as you see this kind of shaking out and what you can tell our listenership today, what's the latest? Well, you know, Gates and I are, are, are good friends and colleagues in the Hill. We've continued to fight the same fights. I mean, whether it was the repeal of the authorization of use of military force, whether it's these uh, this lazy, lazy legislation is what I call it when you think about these continuing resolutions that are uh, essentially keeping the Pelosi-level spending, this uh, post-COVID-level spending, which is absolutely astronomical, and the American people cannot continue to saddle these burdens. And, you know, the, the bottom line is is that Everyone in Congress is still focusing on this idea they can cut their way to prosperity. It is just not a tangible and possible outcome. We're going to have to start opening up all of the individual pieces of legislation and appropriation to determine if pieces of legislation that were approved 15 and 20 years ago, do they necessarily still serve their intended purpose today? And if they don't, then they either need to be reformed and or cut so we can look into the cut mechanism of it, but we're also going to have to look into reforming our mandatories, which is roughly 73% of our actual annual spending. And that's not an effort to try and cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. It's in an effort to reform, preserve, and protect Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. And so, you know, when you look at this, when you look at the fact that our GDP, our gross domestic production, is not continuing to increase at a rate that is the same as our national debt spending levels, then any business owner can tell you, if I spend more than I take in, I'm insolvent. And that's what we are as a nation. And so, you know, I I need the American people, especially those on the America first, you know, agenda to understand cutting sounds great, cut spending, and it's necessary. But we have to have an America first capital growth capability that allows us to start Drill, baby, drill, as President Trump talks about, to make sure that we can get back to American energy security, making sure that we're not continuing this U.S. aid cash diplomacy where we're sending billions of dollars to people abroad when we could be using that money to invest in American industrial base, getting our steel industry back working, our coal industry working, making sure that we can get the inflation under control so that the American dollar goes further and there's confidence in the global market and the American dollar's continuation in the future. You know, these whole things to include the tech propping up the petrodollar is a really big asset and a needed thing for us. We can't just keep kicking the can because they can't get anything done. And especially kicking the can in a CR that never addressed the number one issue in America, which is our open borders and the immigration problem with the invasion in, in, in Arizona and New Mexico and Texas and all the border states. I mean, at this point, every state in America is a border state because sure. there are planes, trains, and buses to everything. But we have to address these issues, and we need to stiffen our spine and prepare for the fight against all three of the Democrats. You've got Hakeem Jeffries in the House, but you've got two Democrats you're going to fight against with Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. So we need to stiffen our spine and start taking an America first stance. Now, when you talk about border security, there, there was just released this morning that Joe Biden— uh, basically, I'm, I'm quoting the president right now. He said there is no sticking points left in funding border security. And I believe he's talking about for this session of Congress. I think that's how uh, 
you know, coming off the heels of what Speaker Johnson has done to push back on those additional aids for Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan that Joe Biden wants to roll out. And he says, unless there's something that's, you know, negotiated to at least meet in the middle of HR2, I mean, you might not get it top to bottom, but we got to start looking at some of these things because right now we're at 0% border security, 0% sovereignty on the U.S. southern border. And then Joe Biden goes and leads in with, uh, you know, commentary on that before he hits the plane to head out to Delaware for the weekend. They just had the White House press conference while we're interviewing right now. And KJ, refused to answer the question or provide any additional commentary on it. What do you have to say about that? Well, the bottom line is that the president knows that he can utilize 212 Section F, which gives him unilateral authority to actually shut down the border today. Right this minute, he can do it. And he's refused to do it and refused to do it. And if you heard Chuck Schumer when he came out of the White House Four Corners meeting, he made a commentary that we're not going to do anything on the border until we lump Ukraine and other aid into it. I'm sorry. I care about the security of our border. I care about the American people, but I am unwilling to put money towards another country's borders just so we have the ability to do it for our own. These should be standalone bills that every single member has a right to vote up, vote down, and make sure that we're putting America first because our borders, I shouldn't have to explain to people to say, oh, yeah, I had to vote for more Ukraine funding to get funding to secure our own borders. That is absolute nonsense. This is American taxpayers' money. It should go to the priorities that the American people view as being the top and key issue. Right now, that's our own southern borders. And what they're trying to do is that the Democrats are realizing that everyone is waking up and seeing, most of us who've been awake the entire time since 2014, that there is no end in sight in this blank check bill on Ukraine. And so because it's becoming so unpopular, they're now trying to tether it to things that is the most important, which is the American, you know, our, our own southern borders. And so this is the standard D.C. tricks the swamp, who wants to push more money for the military-industrial complex to build out for Ukraine, and they know that's unpopular, so they have to tether it to the most important thing, which is our borders. I will go ahead and tell you ahead of time, our borders are the most important thing to me, but I am unwilling to vote on any bill as yes if they try to attach foreign funding into it. Corey, you mentioned Chuck Schumer. You know, one of the angles we looked at today, we've now entered officially the 2024 election cycle. That's both the presidential primary. Obviously, everybody in the House of Representatives will be up for, uh, you know, re-election in November as well after the primaries and things of that nature. However, you know, when you see the way the vote shaped out yesterday and they call it bipartisan, you've got all of your squishes from all over the country and, you know, people try to just solely put the blame on Speaker Johnson. I reminded people on social media that, you know, over 100 Republican representatives from nearly all 50 states joined with Democrats in, in you know, That's right. passing along the continuing resolution. When I looked at the roster of people who voted not to have passed this continuing resolution, I, I've noticed a trend. There's a lot of people who in the past have been endorsed by President Trump, who support President Trump, who are already out on the campaign trail with President Trump as they're looking for reelection and he's looking to retake the White House next year. Strategy-wise, Chuck Schumer's been around for a long time. You know, Nancy Pelosi still has a very heavy hand in the House behind Akeem Jeffries as mm-hmm. well. If, if we go and just immediately react to, okay, we're not getting border security right now, so the government shutdown, period. First of all, you get all the virtue signaling of the military is not getting funded and all this, that, and the other thing. But at the same time, you allow Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to go out to the American people on the Sunday morning talk shows every night in primetime and say, well... Donald Trump called Speaker Johnson MAGA Mike, and now MAGA Mike has the Donald Trump shutdown as all of the people who he endorses, all of the people who are out on the campaign trail with him right now, have shut down our government. And then where they have no wins right now, Joe Biden's poll numbers are so low on the economy, safety, the border, geopolitics, and we'd hand them that win 
for as much as we'd like to see them suffer at the fact of not being funded because they don't deserve it, they don't want to run the government fiscally the way it's supposed to be, you know, at least pre-COVID. But at the same time, this could be something that winds up backfiring on House Republicans if we just simply shut down the border because we're not getting one thing. How do you feel about that? Well, I think that you're, you're posing two extremes. Either it's all or it's nothing. Andy Biggs put a bill forward that was a CR that would have funded just the current rates of military, the CBP and ICE, and it would have done the priorities for national security. Correct. It wouldn't have been funding IRS and all these other bureaucracies that the ATF and all these others, it would have funded our key priorities that would have addressed things like national security and our border. And that is a better, I am a, I am, I do not like CRs. I find it to be lazy, lazy legislation, but that right there, I think puts the Democrats on a position where they say, well, we can't attack them because they didn't fund our military and our veterans and our CBP ICE. So, and we, as we know, our Medicare, Medicaid and social security is automatic. It's on mandatory funds. But my whole thing is, is that I would have rather have seen something like that come to the floor than to come with a just blank clean CR that continues a full funding out till March of current Nancy Pelosi level spending, which puts the Democrats exactly what they want. They're happy to kick the can. The reason they want to kick the can is because this means that we get closer and closer to where we're going to be forced with a minibus or an omnibus, where they'll load it with all these policy writers that are completely against the American people. The same as we saw with the National Defense Authorization Act that came out of the Senate, where they tried to attach FISA to renew the 702. And so I don't think it's an all or nothing. I think that we should have been looking at minimum if we're not going to go ahead and stiffen our spine to say we're shutting it down until you secure the border, which I think the president would have actually shut the border at that point. But let's just say that he doesn't want to take that gamble. He doesn't want to stiffen his spine for that, that issue. Why not push something like the big CR that actually at least had veterans, military, and CBP ICE funded, but no other priorities? and then use the other priorities as our leveraging chip for negotiations to get H.R. 2 passed. It's a great point you make there, Congressman, and it definitely allows our listenership to understand that there are options moving forward that we're going to be looking at. We had Congressman Biggs on the show on Tuesday. He kind of laid that out for us as well. Last thing I want to touch with you on, listen, it's Friday. We're going to end on a good note here, regardless of what's going on on Capitol Hill. Obviously, you were a big part of uh, supporting Donald Trump in, in his successful victory in the Iowa caucus last week. We saw you uh, out on the ground in, in the Hawkeye State. Are you going to be making any trips to New Hampshire or Nevada moving forward and uh, continuing to support Donald Trump along the road? Well, I'll definitely be supporting the president there in South Carolina. He's got a lot of key members in New Hampshire uh, that got out late last night, early this morning. Uh, I have an event tomorrow, uh, which is why I'm not in New Hampshire. I am, I'm, I'm truly blessed. But the Florida State Veterans of Foreign Wars has awarded me and named me the, the Legislator of the Year. So I'll be receiving that great honor tomorrow um, in front of 300 uh, military veterans and members of the VFW. And uh, so unfortunately, I couldn't be there in New Hampshire this weekend. But uh, I'll be back on the trail uh, you know, as soon as possible right there in South Carolina so that we can drive this home. Looking forward to uh, continuing to cover you and, and continuing to cover President Trump and his bid to retake the White House next year so we can start getting stuff done for the American people. Congressman, we're going to be obviously live linking your congressional website in the show description. Today. Anywhere you want our listenership to follow you on social media, where can we check it out? Yeah, please go ahead and follow us at uh, millsforflorida.com. Uh, that's our email and then in our website. Uh, Corey Mills FL is my Twitter, but also log on to our Rep Mills uh, press, which is on Twitter. 
give that a follow. That's where we do a lot of our official stuff and also sign up for our uh, weekly and, and bi-weekly and monthly uh, subletters that'll tell you exactly what's happening in the house, what we're doing, what legislation we've passed and worked on and give you a more insider feed into what's happening on the Hill. True story. It's how we keep up with you in between your guest appearances here on the show. This is the congressman who's representing Florida 7. He's one of America First Finest Warriors. Representative Corey Mills, thanks for joining us on the show. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thanks so much. For 30 years, I am very consistent, and I'm saying something very simple. This conflict is not on the lack of a state of Palestinian but the existence of a state, the Jewish state. Every area that we evacuate, we receive terrible terror against that. It happened in South Lebanon, in Gaza, and also Judea and Samaria, which we did it. And therefore, I clarify that in other arrangement, any other arrangement, in the future, the state of Israel have to control on the entire area from the river to the uh, sea. This is what happens when you have sovereignty. This truth I say to our American friends, and I also stopped the attempt to impose us a reality that will jeopardize us. A prime minister in Israel has to be able to say no, even to the best of friends, to say no when you need to and to say yes when you can. Jumping back into the news portion of our show and our last news segment of the week, that was Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu speaking to his Congress and talking about basically all the things we've outlined for you in the show today. The Biden administration, the World Economic Forum, two-thirds of our Congress only want to talk about Ukraine. When it comes to Israel, one of our actual allies... Ukraine is a non-issue. Ukraine is over. It's been over. Not according to Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden. Well, yeah, but they don't know what's going on. Not according to Cookie Monster out at Davos. Well, that's because he's got a vested interest. Mm. Maybe he should jump into wearing the vests. But when it comes to our good friend Israel, nobody cares. Stop the bloodshed and give Hamas whatever they want so that people stop rioting on college campuses. It's wild and it's disgusting. The double standard for when we are actually going to need these allies... At some point, I hope bites Joe Biden in the ass, but down the road doesn't affect a future administration. It's a really big talking point. And when you look at the way that the State Department and the Department of Defense have treated Israel since the attack on October 7th, and compare and contrast that with what's going on in Europe, what's going on with the Houthi rebels, the way Iran's popping off now... Every time I open up my browser, whether it's internet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, is North Korea preparing for a hot war? doesn't say with who. It's just like a general statement. They're always preparing for a hot war. That's what they do. I know. He's so lonely. That's why. I'm so lonely. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's, it's just kind of the way that the Biden administration has operated. They pick and choose the weirdest battles, and then when that goes off the rail, they just move on to creating the next dumpster fire. And uh, we're seeing it in Congress. We're seeing it out of the campaign trail. One of the places we've seen it since the start of this administration now. Hey, hey, Noah, have you been to Dick's Sporting Goods? or I don't go to Dick's Sporting Goods. Cabela's or any of those places? Did you see what happened? Yeah, I did see that. That's interesting, too. Get you on a government watch list? Yeah, imagine that. Don't buy any MAGA Bibles, apparently. Oh, 
I buy so much stuff for my kids at Dick's Sporting Goods. I don't support them after they did that weird gun stuff. They certainly did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the U.S. Attorney General, Merrick Garland, worst revenge hire in the history of our country. We, we could have hired Confederate generals off of the battlefield and put them into government positions following the Civil War, and they would have done a better job than Merrick Garland has done. Complete weaponization of the Justice Department, letting Lisa Monaco run wild with these Trump investigations. Have you seen that... Uh, the Attorney General of Georgia now wants Fannie Willis to answer for her adultering ways, possible money laundering, and uh, maybe skewed prosecution of Donald Trump now down in Georgia. He wants an answer in a, in a deposition from her almost immediately. We should see it as early as next week. To which Fannie Willis has replied back that that's racist and... My, that's racist! My current boyfriend's ex, the mother of his two children... Is a hooer. A hooer. Mm-hmm. In addition, we've seen Merrick Garland and played the clips for you guys where, remember, this is the Attorney General, top cop in the United States, going around. He describes January 6th as an insurrection, as a riot, mm. as uh, trying to overthrow the government. While these cases are still in court, I don't know how they remain legit and how the investigation continues to spiral out of control and go wider and wider across the country. He was talking about Donald Trump having to be prosecuted before the election. Let's hear it. The polling recently shows that three quarters of Republicans believe that he's being targeted uh, for political reasons. Uh, does it concern you that, uh, that this public perception exists? And, and what can you do to try to change that? Okay. Um, of course, it concerns me. Um, what we have to do is show by the acts that we take that we're following the law, that we're following the facts, the um, um, prosecutions that you're talking about were Facts. brought last year, um, and the uh, special prosecutor has uh, said from the beginning uh, that he thinks uh, public interest requires a speedy uh, trial, which I agree with. You agree with that? I do, and uh, the matter is now in the hands of the uh, trial judges to determine when the uh, trials will take place. They still, uh, he makes his voice like that. That's, I can't believe that that's the way. He, uh, I can't believe that that's the way he talks. Mm. And, you know, the thing here is, you know, we're waiting for these big rulings from the Supreme Court. We could have gotten them as early as January 3rd. We're, we're currently at the 19th now, and we'll be well into the 20s by, we, by the time we air again next week. We haven't gotten any rulings on the presidential immunity or the ballot removals. I don't know if that's some um, strategy being played by the chief justices, but we'll have to see... Uh, when that comes up for review, how it shakes out, it's going to set the precedent for a lot of these cases. Remember, this goes both ways. Barack Obama droning kids, Joe Biden's business dealings. You take away presidential immunity because of, you want to call Donald Trump a seditionist and an insurrectionist? Everything goes out the window. And if you don't think that boomerang will come back around, they'll be digging people up out of their graves to throw in jail uh, by the time they get done wrecking our justice system in this country. Speaking of which, Joe Biden was out on the campaign trail this week. He put a cap on his schedule every single day of the week except Thursday when he hit the road. I believe he uh, went out to Pennsylvania because it's on the way to Delaware. And you're going to hear Joe Biden from the same speaking event say the direct opposite of the point he's trying to make all in back-to-back -back clips. Let's hear him. And look, our goal is to connect everyone in America to affordable reliable high-speed internet by the year 2030, everyone in America. 
Just like Franklin Roosevelt did a generation ago with electricity. Oh, God. I promise to be a president for all America, whether you voted for me or not. These investments help all Americans and red states and blue states as well. We're not leaving anybody behind. Noah, Joe Biden wants to be the president for all Americans, whether you voted for him or not, because the last thing that he wants... Whether I've thrown you in jail or not. He doesn't want parents pulling up to a McDonald's parking lot trying to connect to the Wi-Fi so their kids could do homework. (laughs) Same speaking event, Mm. like literally five minutes later. Remember, whether you voted for him or not, he's the president for everybody. No. Public investment in education, infrastructure and education have hollowed out communities. Hollowed out. factories, even too many behind. And now, my predecessors like to say, America is a failing nation. In my face, bless me, Father, for his sin. I mean, come on. <laughs> a failing nation. And by the way, did you hear he wants to see the stock market crash? Because he does not want now. We're doing well. He acknowledges by that we're doing pretty damn well economically. And we're slurring. Yeah. He wants to see the stock market crash. You know why? He doesn't want to be the next Herbert Hoover. As I told him, he's already Hoover. He's the only president to be president for four years and lose jobs, not gain any jobs. Oh, God. Really? That's Come on, man. So stupid. You know, some of the things he said, well, I don't get started. Oh, you already have. But look. Frankly, to put it very politely, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So let's continue to demonize the leader of the opposite party, the clear and present front runner in the race to evict you from the White House. And as always, just continue to... Those fucking jobs numbers are such bullshit. Demonize the whole movement. Look, you want to know Donald Trump's jobs numbers? The jobs numbers are the first two years of the administration. Yeah. They, they were amazing. That's the only ones that, that could be... Possibly calculated, because yep. everything else was fucked after that. And, and in any way, shape, or form that Democrats could hurt Donald Trump post-COVID, and that means continuing lockdowns and, and crippling economies, they did it. I, yeah. I, f- I feel like that's the only reason kids didn't go back to school and people didn't go back to work. No, so much of this was just, you know what, this is going to make things way worse. We're just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's how these people operate. They don't care At about all. the country. They don't care about you. Mm-hmm. You are just a fucking peon, because while they're rich fucking billionaire buddies are building bunkers. Mm-hmm. The war, war doesn't apply to them. And can afford survival food. Yeah. Fuckers. Anyways, guys, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, no matter what platform it's on, hopefully Apple or Spotify. Please I bet you sure. guys thought we had a new sponsor for a second there. There, there you go. <laughs> we should get another one. I got to start reaching out to some people. Hey, just make sure you're downloading us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Hit the plus button, hit the follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. We also have social media, Twitter, get our true social and Instagram, find the steak for breakfast accounts, follow, hit the notification bell. And again, going to start reiterating this a little bit more. Share the podcast. We will never charge you guys a dime for all the content that you get on now a quad weekly basis. You're welcome. Sorry, Noah. Mm. But here we are. Every time you share the podcast. An angel gets its wings. Klaus Schwab uh, loses a rhinestone from his fucking weird outfit i was gonna thought you were gonna say his pinky ring <laughs> there you go let's talk about how things are, are also already working out there to make donald trump's life number one miserable number two harder when he gets back to the white house next year i saw dueling former speakers of the house first off jerk off paul ryan mm. who for two years straight told everybody one thing 
and then told Donald Trump he would get it done. Oh, yeah, we'll never do border wall. We'll never take away from defense spending, blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, yes, Mr. President, we're, we're doing it. It's the Democrats that are stopping us. Of course. House flipped, government shut down. You're welcome. Here's him talking about how, uh, at the World Economic Forum, how much better Nikki Haley is than Donald Trump. Look, it, a lot's going to happen between now and November. Nothing's linear in politics these days. There's a zigzag, so who knows is the point. Biden is so weak that even Donald Trump pulls up ahead of him. But look at Nikki Haley's polling. I mean, she beats him by like 12 points no, in head-to-head polls. So right. I would prefer a, yeah, a candidate who I think him. would be a good yeah. president and who I know is going to win. And by the way, give us more seats in Congress. That's Nikki Haley. Well, the, it, so it, obviously, I, my preferences are, are, are bubbling through the Republican Party right now. But let's just wait and see what happens in New Hampshire and see if this inevitability narrative which has credence now coming out of Iowa, if it, if it sticks past New Hampshire. And if Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire, then I think we got a race on our hands. So I want to wait and see what happens there. Well, you made a lot. Mm. There's no race on his hands. No. And if they do somehow manage to prop her up, it's going to be disastrous. Mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy is probably also on the ground running hard and stumping for anti-Trump House candidates for next year while not offering funds to anyone. Mm. Jumped on mornings with Maria yesterday to, uh, let's see, talk about the failed job in the House of Representatives, how his vote probably didn't matter. And again, as usual, he cannot end a new segment without taking a pot shot at Florida Congressman Matt Gates. Incumbent lost. We beat more than double digits of Democrats, and we could even have our biggest election this cycle. And I want to make sure I'm a part of not just having won two majorities, but growing this majority even stronger. I'm going to continue to do my part. How how has your life changed now with the new speaker? Do you think that you're going to be able to get these appropriations bills done in this two-laddered approach that Mike Johnson has come up with? Well, I think uh, I think Johnson was very smart about making sure (laughs) keeping our troops paid, especially in the Mediterranean, where they are right now. Unfortunately, we had a number of members doing the exact same thing they did before uh, of stopping bills from moving forward. We're going to have to come together. Uh, We we do know this is really driven, as you know, and you've had in the show, Matt Gates ethics complaint. I think once that ethics complaint comes forward, he could have the same problem as Santos has. And I think the conference would be probably better united to be able to move forward forward and get this all done uh speaker good to have you this morning thank you sir i always want people to freak out and be like turn that fucking music off i'm not done like they do at the award show sometimes yeah <laughs> and how dave Chappelle did a couple skits about too from the play haters ball yeah you know i hate him yep and so if matt gates gets removed from congress we're, we're at an even number and therefore i believe uh the Democrats are back in control. People don't understand the way that this works. We've also got some special elections coming up in February and March as well. We'll know if George Santos' replacement, who's a former Somalian immigrant, who's only been a registered Democrat, running as a Republican to replace George Santos, versus a Democrat who held the seat for like five sessions of Congress before that. It's crazy. And it's not just here. It's not just there. It's everywhere that you see these people who are out. I finally pulled a timestamp, and I wanted to play a clip from their show. Rizless, more commonly known as the Ruthless Podcast, mm. who always says just enough nice things about Donald Trump before they demonize him, disenfranchise him, and continue to destroy their own credibility by 
essentially saying that the party needs to move on from him. They were huge Ron DeSantis ball lickers. And they spent an entire segment coping and seething about DeSantis and trying to get behind Nikki Haley, even though it's almost impossible, before one of the guys just couldn't take it anymore and jumped in with some dirtbag commentary, demonizing boomers while criticizing Donald Trump. No, this is going to be a first for us. Let's hear it. The sort of people who don't like change. It's, uh, it's, it's Werther's Original. <laughs> Which is uh, a terrific candy. It's, it's reverse mortgages. Goated candy. It's people... Sound financial... <laughs> It's the people who claim they had it harder than all the rest of us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the baby boomers. Greatest generation. They're the biggest winners of this whole thing, and they just coronated their boomer king. They're so good. Donald Trump. Um, I got some data here to support this. Uh, Nikki Spaghetti, can I get graphic number five, please? More anti This is so good. We are Semitism. nothing but predictable. We go, we go a full-throated Trump and then uh, a full-throated anti-boomer. But, <laughs> no, but it, they were the winners. Well, so, to mean, me, this is the same winner. Here is, <laughs> same winner. Here is, here is uh, the results by age of the 2016 Iowa caucus. You'll see there 65 plus. 27% are respectable. 27% of the total vote share of that Iowa caucus in 2016. Nikki Spaghetti, can you put up graphic six? 41%. <laughs> Boomers were 41% of the Iowa caucus of uh, 2024. Wait, so, but they this liked is, the tax cut. This they is liked the, the peace point. and prosperity. This is the point. Yes. I understand why you said you wanted to get to winners of the week yes, now. exactly. Because the point that I was going to make that I'm glad you held me off on mm -hmm. was it, it, when you were talking about the, yeah. uh, the elderly being able to go out. and They had no problem. They had no, no, no problem. They no, no, no. no problem. No, that, they made it. They were fine. That's, that's my theory, dude. Like, in all seriousness, I think the, the margin would have been wider if it was warm. They more of them would have come out for Trump. Well, all, all I'm saying even wider. I think the only they're anomaly two to could one be... every other demographic. <laughs> no, How no, much wider can it get? That's what I'm saying is nobody listen, appreciates when you had, prosperity when you had that ground game. So you're seeing a hundred percent boomer. When you had a field team that was like clearing paths on 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 caucus day, like they were they were ready to roll. You know it. That is the way. And I'm glad I got to play that for you guys. It pisses me off even hearing it a second time. That's mm -hmm. the way the establishment looks at all of us. Yeah, it like is. Like you're just a piece of shit. They're talking about boomers because they came out in large numbers for Donald Trump in Iowa. But that's literally the way that those elitist assholes up on Capitol Hill, every single one of those guys are either conservative consultants or former staffers of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. They fucking hate Donald Trump. They hate all of us. They hate all the America First congressmen and women who come on this show. Sometimes they con them into going on to their show. Chris Lasavita has been on their show twice, like he's been on with us twice this election cycle. They failed to mention that several times, too. These people fucking hate you. Like, if, if they could sign away their souls so that Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley would be the candidate for the Republican Party in nine months, every single one of those four guys would fucking do it. And, and we just need to take into consideration when you're outside of our media and things that are in kind of our orbit, this is what's going on in the mainstream. These are the guys that get paid by the RNC to go to the conventions, to go to the debates and do the pregame shows. And it has nothing to do with anybody wanting to do any of that stuff. It has everything to do with these guys are getting lifted up 
So the voice of the establishment could be amplified more. These are the Ryans. These are the Romneys. These are the Kents. And all the people who made Donald Trump's first term in office, in some instances, fucking miserable. But it's Friday. Even though we passed a continuing resolution, the World Economic Forum is plotting our demise, and we have zero border security, we're going to end on a goodish note. I have the CEO of J.P. Morgan, of all people, Noah, from the World Economic Forum, James Diamond, in our last audio clip of the week, even though he's wearing a Ukrainian lapel pin, mm. he said some things that I had to listen to this clip more than once, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised when you hear it. Let's mm. check it out. Growing. They're hungry to grow. They're innovating. It's, it's everywhere. It's not just Silicon Valley. So we've got this great hand. But when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump, and they think they're voting, and they're basically scapegoating them that you are like him. Uh, and, but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. Now, if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He was kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, China so ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Yeah. He was right about some of China. I don't, th- I don't like no, what he yeah, did. That guy China virus. Yeah, I understand. He may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Hmm. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. I I agree. And, you know, the Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? And and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. And it's the truth. Joe Biden's running on two things right now, MAGA and anti-Trump. That's it. Yeah. And most of these people that that hate Trump, it's because they don't like he's caustic. He's not super polished. He's hilarious for us. But. Yeah, you, you heard him right. You said I, I, he was right. I right. don't really like, you know, a lot of the things he says. Yeah, but. But he said China virus, like, China virus. But did you like mm-hmm. having money, money, having, being safe, not mm-hmm. going to war? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's I a, did. That's the thing. I listened to a whole bunch of podcasts this week. Tucker hit on this. I think Bannon hit on this. PBD hit on this. We hit on this. And then I go out and I kind of look for the counter narrative because even if we don't play clips from like absolute garbage on our show, I I do always want to be able to verbalize it to you guys. Like, hey, listen, this is what else is going on outside of like MAGA and America first because there, believe me, there is a a life and a reality outside of politics. No one reminds me that more than my co-host sitting right across from me. Hmm. I kind of miss our studio dog today. Yep. Mm. He's a good boy or girl. I'm not saying how dare me. <laughs> but here's the thing. When above our rim in the orbit, you have this narrative that's being proprieted out there by the Paul Ryans, by the Romneys, by the McCarthy's, and the mainstream media allows them to. When Ronna McDaniel and, and the Republican National Committee give Rizlis the opportunity to go out and bring on all of these anti-Trump people all the time and just demonize them. Boring. But then, Noah, here's the deal. You want to know how they got their break and how they read every single one of their five stars reviews? Hey, Ruthless Podcast, I found your show after hearing you guys on Megyn Kelly several times. So you, you get a superstar to wipe these guys' ass, and then they get a big following so they could poison the minds of people because they think they know how the House of Representatives and the Senate work just because they were... dude. If Mitch McConnell was your fucking daddy, 
what you should be telling people is the opposite of what you saw for the entirety of time you worked up on Capitol Hill. And the reason why we've been governed by continuing resolutions and can't get single budget, single subject appropriation bills is because you've allowed us to kick the can down the field for fucking 35 years plus. So congratulations on being not only complete assholes, but complete morons as well. So we'll end it on a good note here. And we're going to talk about making some of that change next year as former gubernatorial candidate who's now running for a U.S. House seat in Illinois 12. Mr. Darren Bailey himself will be joining us for the first time. But before we jump in with him, one last check in with one of our partners. Hi, this is Beardo over at Beard Vet Coffee. What's wrong with America today is that Americans are putting convenience over values. We need to start thinking about our dollar as a vote. We need to start using those dollars to support companies that believe in our values and aren't afraid to take a stand. That's us at BeardVet Coffee. We're not another pretend conservative company that puts a pew-pew on the packaging to take a line with our principles. We don't identify as America first. We live America first. We're vet-founded, vet-focused, and obviously bearded. So, if you haven't had a cup of BeardVet, buy a bag, help us continue to support veteran charities every month. And as we always say, stay awake, not woke. Use promo code STEAK for 10% off your order. Joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, he's the candidate that's running to head up to Capitol Hill next year and represent Illinois 12 in the U.S. House of Representatives, sitting down for the first time, Mr. Darren Bailey. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. It is uh, cold and the snow is blowing here in Southern Illinois today. Well, we've been tracking you for a long time, are very excited to have caught up with you in this big election cycle that we're in the midst of right now. Obviously, we're heading into the primary season. Presidential is already into it. We've got all the other state races coming up. We would like to hear what exactly is going on in your district. What was your motivation to switch gears and jump into the race for uh, you know, a U.S. House seat and how things are going since you rolled out the campaign, sir? Sure. Well, uh, about five, six years ago, I, I farmed all of my life and worked and have a trucking company and an excavating business and served on our school boards and served in our community with my wife and with my wife, Cindy. And uh, my state representative uh, started voting for tax increases. I mean, we, we I will contend that Southeast Illinois is one of the most conservative areas of the nation. And I had helped get him elected a few years earlier. So I started calling him up and I said, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, our people don't deserve this and they don't believe in this. So as I started sharing what I was learning, mainly on social media, it literally blew up. And next thing you know, people are coming to me wanting me to run for state representative. I was outspent 10 to 1. We worked our tails off. We beat a a, a Republican who was in state leadership at the time uh, by 60-40. And I've never looked back. I've been standing up for the people. I actually sued our governor in, in, in 2020 with these COVID lockdowns. I won. I stood up against the mask mandates, was kicked out of General Assembly for that. And um, then our senator decided to step down. And and uh, the people of South, Southeast Illinois wanted me to uh, take his place. So I did that. So I've served one term in the House, one term in the Senate. And by the grace of God, we were uh, able to uh, run for governor uh, in 22, uh, here in Illinois, uh, we, you know, conservatives could win if people would actually show up and vote. But unfortunately, November 8th, only 45% of registered voters showed up to vote and, and, uh, and we came up short. So, uh, president Trump endorsed me in that cycle. I won a six way race taking, uh, 
60% of the vote and having hundreds of millions literally spent against me. So I come back to the farm and my wife and I realize we've still uh, we, we've still got work to do because we've got 13 grandchildren and we're not at all satisfied of what the future of this nation looks like for them. So uh, I've got a good friend, a dear friend, Mary Miller in Congress. Love her. Uh, her, her husband, Chris, we served in the House together, two farmers elected in, in the 2019 for the first time. So I went to conservativereview.com and many of the conservative report cards, just searching and trying to figure out where do we belong. And when I saw my opponent with a 50% voting record on conservative review, Mary Miller's uh, shining bright at 95, 97. Correct. Even Darren LaHood in the, by Peoria, he's at, he at a 75%. I'm not proud of that, but I wouldn't have challenged that. But when I saw 50% of Mike Bost here in Southern Illinois, I'm going to be honest with you, I was disgusted. So we started uh, kind of sharing that idea. I started looking at his voting record and I was appalled. I was appalled to find that in 2016, when President Trump first started to run, that he was a supporter of John Kasich. And and uh, he after that, he, he I was a Trump alternate delegate in 2020. And, and as a sitting congressman, he, all he had to do is say, I want to be there to support President Trump. He didn't do it. I see somebody who just recently, recently to kind of cap it all off, he supported the uh, the other few weak Republicans and voted for the uh, $350 billion to go to the FBI headquarters. This is a man who in 2017 joined with uh, Adam Kinzinger to ban bump stocks, you know, infringing on our Second Amendment freedoms. Uh, this is a man that has over the years has voted for amnesty for millions of illegal immigrants. So as I checked his voting record out, I was shocked. Then I, you know, having the influence from running for governor, uh, man, we've got a massive grassroots organization. I began to call around the district and I, I asked people, I said, well, what do you what do you know about this guy? Because he hates the Freedom Caucus. He can't stand uh, my good friend, Mary Miller. Uh, he's tried to get in fights with Matt Gates. I said, what do you know about him? And, and nobody really knows anything about him. This man has been able to keep his head down and become a career politician over the last 40 years, 10 years in, in Congress, 20 years in, uh, as a state rep in Illinois, and, and 10 years before that as a, as a, uh, uh, a, a on the county board. And my suggestion is that that's why J.B. Pritzker, that's why Joe Biden, that's why the Democrats have so much power in this land is because Republicans who desire to make a career out of this and forget that to stand on our values uh, that we are they are they are allowing the democrats to uh, to rise to power and create chaos in this land so i stand against that you know i'm here to fight i'm a farmer myself i've had to work hard for what i have and and the people of southern illinois and all over illinois actually respect that i am an ardent ardent uh, fighter for the second amendment as you well know uh, our governor and, and the Democratic legislator has recently imposed a um, a registration and, and have banned essentially the sale or transfer of uh, any any firearm with a capacity to hold over 15 bullets. And, and we had a registry that was supposed to be enacted in January 1st. And um, I stand against that. I've showed J.B. Pritzker my guns and I said, buddy, here they are. I'm not registering. And what are you going to do about it? So here we are 19 days into uh, January and absolutely nothing's been done about it. Matter of fact, state police have made the 
statement stating that hey we're not uh, we're not dealing with this we got other things to do so uh the race is the fight's going great um we're out and about i i will contend i'm one of the hardest working uh candidates the movement that we've uh, built here in southern illinois is and all across illinois has been amazing uh i i go to his home turf where he's served for the last 30 years as state rep and and uh and, and congressman and I just asked people, I said, what do you know? What's what's he dead for you? You know, you, you think that he's a conservative. You think that he's working for you. But all the while, government has increased. Taxes have increased. Uh, you know, he's 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 a veteran himself. God bless him for that. But he's been on the VA committee for the last eight years. Now he's chair. And interestingly enough, two weeks ago, Veterans for Trump organization endorsed me. Our veterans are suffering. And this man's just playing politics and and make a, a career out of this, waiting for a lucrative retirement. And I'm, I'm tired of that because my grandkids, my children, we the people do not deserve this. And we just need people. You know, I was listening to a Congressman Collins on one of your earlier shows, and, and I love what he had to say. And I heard him make a comment. I heard him say, you know, he said, he said, shame on me because as a freshman legislator, you know, I didn't really understand the process. Well, that's what I bring to the table. I've seen the dysfunction in Springfield for four years. And, and, and one of my priorities is, you know, reminding people what government's, you know, main role is, and that's to, uh, you know, get a budget. And here we are, we make a mockery out of this. And here we are now rolling this over to next year, the farm bill. We're probably not going to have a farm bill for another year. Right. We're probably not going to have a budget until we have a shutdown. It's absolutely disgusting. And they sit here and they all load up and they go down to the border and spend millions of dollars of taxpayers' money when when this has been an issue since 2015 just, just to make a show out of this. Sure. Let's do something. Let's stand up. Let's fight. Let's get the people rallied. And that's what uh, I think that's one of our my greatest gifts is communicating, educating, and then getting the people to come stand alongside me. So I look forward to March uh, 19th coming up and and uh, when we're uh, we're going to set a new day for not just Southern Illinois, but all of Illinois and ultimately this country, because I will be standing side by side President Trump uh, forging a new day. You know, we've talked to so many people who are already up on Capitol Hill. Ones we're tracking in this year's election cycle, you know, J.R. Majewski, Joe Kent, uh, Sandy Smith, uh, John O'Shea down in Texas, uh, Giglio out in California. There's a lot of people who are running right now to help pad those numbers. You know, when we talk to the representatives who are uh, mainstays on our show and contributors every month, one of the biggest thing they say, you could see with the continuing resolution yesterday, Darren, and how it passed, you know, the Republicans have backed themselves into a budgetary corner right now to where we're in the election cycle. So while everybody's melting down, you know, a uh, motion to vacate Mike Johnson, and this is ridiculous, you do look at the bipartisan nature of the bill, and although... A lot of people might not like it. Over 100 Republicans sided with the Democrats. So let's just say Mike Johnson stepped out yesterday and said, you want to know what? This is ridiculous. We're shutting the government down. Sure, a lot of people in America First would like it. But the first thing that Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden and probably even Mitch McConnell would go out and say, Mike Johnson is working on behalf of Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump wants to shut down the border. We changed that when we took over office. The border's broken because of Donald Trump. This is Donald Trump's shutdown. And all of a sudden, you shift the power back to the Democrats who are getting stomped right now in House races. They have a very unfavorable U.S. Senate map in this election cycle. And then Joe Biden's numbers are just abysmal. So to give him any kind of a win, it's a no-win situation for Speaker Johnson. And I think everybody kind of agrees with that. Sure, we'd like to see a little bit more spine, but you kind of have to take a step back and be like, what are the pluses and minuses of this, you know? Everybody from like Dan Crenshaw and all the other rhinos went on the cable news yesterday right before the vote. They're on CNN, they're on MSNBC, and they're like, oh, yeah, if you don't uh, vote for the continuing resolution, then, you know, you must hate paying military uh, veterans and, and, you know, all the people who are active duty serving right now. And that's not necessarily always the case. It's part of it, but it's a bigger problem. And I think at the end of the day, having people like you, I mean, in state, you've worked in the House and Senate. You did a statewide campaign. People know who you are. They know what your platform is. Everybody knows how the agriculture sector of this country, the farmers of America who help feed this nation and keep it running, have been absolutely crushed by Joe Biden's policies, his taxes, his regulations, and everything in between. And it just seems like we need a breath of fresh air. It's good to see that you're going after a long-term incumbent who's become obviously a squish vote for both parties. And at the same time, uh, the people that are in your district, at least, got to be pretty excited to see that you are in the midst of this and coming out at uh, firing as hard as you are. You know, uh, if anybody out there are listening, uh, join my Facebook or even my Twitter, uh, and you'll see you'll see the movement, and you'll see how I'm educating people. My Facebook's just Darren Bailey with the blue certified mark on it. I mean, it's crazy, the movement that we've garnered. And, and my message is really, it's been very clear if Republicans would quit worrying about the next election and start concerning themselves with doing the right thing. Correct. We will turn this nation around. And that's exactly, I've been blessed to have many conversations with President Trump. And that's, that's what I've told him. I said, Mr. President, the you know, you don't even know my congressman. The, the, he was congressman the you know, one term before you and 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 during your entire term. And the problem is these people, you know, you, you fought people like he, he says he stood with you, but he didn't. And his voting record shows it. And these people just stabbed you in the back. They, they pushed you, wanted you out of the way. They thought they wanted control and, and to be able to tell you what to do. And instead, you showed America what a what a true fighter and a true businessman can do for them. We just need the people to, to do their homework in their districts and their areas and find out find out how their represent representatives have been voting and and how vocal they've been and what they've been doing or how they've been cowering down and and you're right this this silly message of of the same old go along get along yes we need to work together there's no doubt about that but here in Illinois when I got elected in 2019 the first time in our history when I came in uh, I came in as a in the super minority in both chambers, the House and the Senate. And it's because of the weak-kneed Republican that I took out to get there. It's because of this weak-kneed Republican that now serves in the 12th Congressional District, my opponent, who served from 1994 to 2014 that created this mess. It's these same people that are serving in our U.S. Senate and our U.S. House who have made careers out of this. Get them out of the way. You want to talk about taking care of corruption in government? Everybody wants to deal with the with it on the back end after after the corruption's you know been discovered. They want to. What do you want to do? Fire them? Take away their pensions? Take away their benefits? Sure. But the best way to handle corruption in government is to take care of it on the front end. Let's enact term limits. 
Let's enact whatever that is. I don't care what the time is. I've committed myself to serving no more than 10 years. And then I'm either going back to the farm or, or moving to a different position, whatever the people allow. But let's uh, let's get fighters in there like our founding fathers who truly desire to save this republic, who truly desire for families to be able to work, to flourish, to live, to thrive, to, 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 you know, to, to listen, lessen the impact. And uh, let's get this doggone border closed. This should not be the, that is our number one problem and threat. You know, Abraham Lincoln said many times uh, that, you know, the threat to this nation will come from within. Correct. And here we are. It happened right under our noses. And we don't even know here in Chicago, uh, up in Chicago area, uh, they're having the, these hours, hours long truck uh, convoys flying uh, Palestinian flags and, and these trucks aren't registered. They don't have license on them. And many times the police are escorting them just to get them out of the area. Yep. I mean, my gosh, if I were to take one of my trucks up there and, and to, to, you know, to do some work to, to haul some product or produce, I guarantee you, if I didn't have a license plate on that truck, if I didn't have registration, I'd be pulled over and be, be hauled to jail. And yet we're letting these commercial vehicles, I'm, I'm hundreds and thousands of them, these Palestinian protesters, and, and we've seen them in our major cities. Where on earth did they come from? Correct. Many of them came across the border, and it has to be stopped. That is the number one threat. Uh, number one threat to this uh, republic, and the number two threat is these Republicans who fail to do anything. Well, it's the honest-to-God truth, Darren. This has been awesome sitting down with you today. We are definitely going to try and get you back and have our listenership get as involved as possible with your campaign, supporting you any way we can before the primary. We've educated our listenership. You don't have to live in the state of Illinois. You don't have to live in Illinois 12 to be able to help out. You can donate. You can make phone calls. You can do whatever it is you need help. We're going to be live linking your Facebook and your campaign website in the show description. Anywhere else we can find you on social media? Uh, very active on Twitter and uh, Facebook's been our biggest mode of action. I'm on Instagram and then baileyforillinois.com and get on there and see what we're doing because I'm telling you, I'm going, I'm going to be so bold as to say uh, uh, next to President Trump, uh, we have got a, a very powerful and hardworking grassroots organization that's, uh, that's risen up uh, throughout this state in the last uh, uh, five years that I've been serving. So thank you so much. I'll, uh, I'm always, I'm always available. So absolutely fantastic. We're going to be excited to have you up on Capitol Hill next year and president Trump back in the white house this is the candidate who's running for the U S house of representatives, Illinois 12th congressional seat, Mr. Darren Valley. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Have a fantastic weekend. God bless you. Thanks. Well, it was a busy end of the week, Noah, but I think we nailed it. Nailed it again. If you enjoyed these two episodes of the podcast and want to hear the now over 320 other editions of the show, pretty simple follow us across every downloadable podcasting platform including apple and spotify hit the follow button hit the plus button make sure it's downloading to your electronic device in addition follow us on social medias as well find the steak for breakfast accounts follow them on twitter get our true social and instagram hit that notification bell don't forget to share the show with all your friends and family in addition to that i want to thank all of our guests for coming down today maryland congressman andy harris florida representative Corey mills Jeff Clark from the Center for Renewing America, and congressional candidate Darren Bailey. You guys all definitely helped make steak great again. Guys, don't worry. We're heading into the weekend, but we'll be back. We've got two all-new editions of the show coming in hot on Tuesday, where at the moment we'll be joined at the very least by Representative Ben Klein and Wade Miller. 
from the Center for Renewing America. So on behalf of the entire pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And take care. You see, whether igloo, hut, or lean-to, or a geodesic dome, there's no structure I have been to which I'd rather call my home. Hello! When I first arrived, you were all such jerks, but now I've come to love your quirks. Maggie with her eyes so bright, Marge with hair by Frank Lloyd Wright, Lisa can philosophize, Bart's adept at spinning lies, Homer's a delightful fella, sorry about the salmonella. <laughs> That's okay. Ah! Who needs the quickie mark? Now here's the tricky part. Oh, won't you rhyme with me? It's the Quickie Mart. That was a Sticky Mart. <laughs>